Hello and welcome back to the Ken Spirit Podcast. My name is Daje and I'm your host. And I'm so excited to bring you a special episode with my friend Ashley River. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about descent and ascent and rites of passage, initiation, healing the witch wound. We're going to be talking about ego death. We're going to be talking about all things related to that moment when we cross the threshold into a new season, a new story, a new experience. You know, I love talking about this stuff and I'm so excited to be hosting a retreat with Ashley at the end of July that I hope that you will come to. And one of the things that I giggle about with Ashley is that I keep calling it a retreat. And Ashley keeps calling it a training. Ashley is so, uh, so present with this medicine in so many ways. Um, and one of the things I love about her is she says, we need, we need healers, we need witches, we need folks who are showing up to the work of shifting culture to be able to descend to hell so that when we come back, when we rise out of that, we know and have medicine in our hands to actually give to people. And I have so much respect for that. I have so much respect for her vigor, her voice, her stories. And I cannot wait for you to listen more. Thank you so much for listening to the Kin Spirit Podcast. Enjoy. Thank you for listening to the Kin Spirit Podcast, a podcast about imagining and crafting a more whole world. In these episodes, I'll be sharing conversations with people that I believe have beautiful perspectives, asking questions like, how might we craft futures of wholeness? What does that look like, taste like, feel like? What does it look like in our work, in our relationships with ourselves and each other, and in our relationship with the mystery and our myths? How can we allow wholeness to be centered in our human evolution and global creative processes? How can we craft a vision of the future that can really hold all of us? I hope these episodes support you in your own inquiry into these questions. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. For those of you who are listening and don't know, Ashley and I are co-hosting an experience together in Mendocino, California, that... I would say that I'm pretty excited and also have a healthy level of like mystery around. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, there's like a, um, like a, that feeling, I don't know if you feel this, but that feeling of like the path is in front of me. I'm walking into the forest. I know that that's the direction I'm going and supposed to be going, but there is just a lot of fog. There's a lot of like mystery around what, is going to emerge in this. Well, that is exactly the frequency of the land there. I love that. It's misty, it's foggy, it is the mystery. You're walking through the forest and you can't really see. Mm. It it carries that that energy. It's very like Neptunian. Mm. Yeah, so it makes sense that like, you know, we're like peering into that and we're planting like these dream seeds of potential yeah but the rest is just fog and the fog will take over and carry us you know it's like a dense Mm. misty frequency you spent a lot of time in mendocino you lived there can you share a little bit more about what that experience was like for you 
Yeah. Um, so I moved to Mendocino in August of 2019. So pre-pandemic, but I was there through like all of the beginning of COVID. And I moved there because I was at a point in my career where I was having very quick, fast success, Mm. a lot of eyes on me, a lot of attention, Mm. a lot of expansion very quickly. And I was at this threshold where I could step into it Mm. and step into you know, whatever that was going to bring me. And this was at a time where I was getting like emails from networks wanting to do TV shows with me. Like it was very weird Mm. and intense and not really anything that I thought was going to be my path. Mm. And I could step into that. Or there was another part of me that was like, maybe I'll just go live in the woods and hide out and give it all away Mm. and just live that life and that was really coming from like an unconscious ego fear Mm. space and in a sense I actually think though my super conscious Mm. saved me in a way because I don't think that that was the path Mm -hmm. that was right for me at least not at that time but I could have stepped in and held that abundance but I wasn't resourced enough I wasn't yeah. ready um, and I was with a partner who at the time wanted to go live on the lost coast and I had never been there we were living in the Bay Area before that I had never been there we went there one time and I was like "Ooh, it feels safe here I feel very very hidden mm-hmm. I feel like I could disappear here And there was a part of my psyche that was like, this could feel safe for me right now. Because when you're a mystic with a big platform, Mm -hmm. the potential of getting canceled, exiled, you know, evicted (laughs) from your experience is really massive. And I had already experienced that. I had already experienced cancellation, exile, Mm from the tattoo industry as a mystical tattoo artist and I was afraid. So I chose to go live in the forest, Mm. in the misty, in a tree house, you know, in the misty forest surrounded by redwoods. And it was an experience. I was brought to my knees because I wasn't meant to to be in hiding. And as soon as I moved there I would have these past life memories of how many times I had chosen that path of I'm gonna just be the witch that hides in the woods because it's safer Mm -hmm. than stepping out and sharing my medicine with my community or you know like just living on the outskirts you know being safe and hidden Mm -hmm. and protected Mm -hmm. and but what I learned from choosing that I mean I went through endless death portals and the first time I you know I moved there I settled I got married right away (laughs) on the coast and then the first time I really consciously connected to the land and I was asking why am I here what's the purpose the land showed me 
And to kind of summarize, land showed me all of the witches that were buried mm. along the sea, along the coast. Mm. And it was a very startling kind of visionary experience to have because I was like, what? What is this? And when I asked the land, okay, what is my purpose? You're showing me all these witches <laughs> buried in the land and they were like resurrecting out of the ground looking like very like the ring <laughs> kind of vibe. Yeah. <laughs> and the medicine was, they also showed me dying. And they, the land told me that I need to learn how to die so that I can be resurrected as I bring these witches back mm. with me. So it was very oh, deep yeah. and powerful and hard. And I experienced so much death. I had a miscarriage, death of my career, mm. death of my marriage. I had my first friend commit suicide there. I just death, death, death. I was super isolated, alone in the woods, you know, COVID lockdown. So we all were, you know, this is a time we all were very alone. And all I had was my relationship with the land who was telling me I had to die. <laughs> and I had to completely surrender to it. So... I feel like you just opened us up into a conversation about surrendering to death. Mm -hmm. And that could be a direction that we go with this conversation or we could stay in the really nice and light mm -hmm. area of you know, three steps for surviving the witch wound. <laughs> no, 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 no. Or how to own your medicine in the modern world. It's like we could keep it surface level. But what I'm interested in is like, can we go into the fog of Mendocino and into these experiences that you've had? I mean, I've had not quite the experience that you had in Mendocino, but had a similar like being shown the witches of northern New Mexico just by chance, which I shared this with you, mm -hmm. um, and this invitation into the medicine of resurrection and regeneration and bringing life back from the soil um, or back from these moments where death has occurred, um, not just for myself, but for others because of a similar thing like there's a similar thread and I'm curious if you'd like to pull that thread together yeah yeah okay cool let's <laughs> weave <laughs> so you were alone on the coast of Mendocino you had a miscarriage your marriage ended you were shown all of these images of witches dying you died you psychologically died as mm -hmm. well as like in some ways physically died definitely um, your friend died. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of death going on. Mm -hmm. And what do you feel like that means for you? Like as a, do you identify with being a witch? Absolutely. Mm. I think, you know, when we're in a space of like death and suffering, our tendency is to control. We don't want to die. We're afraid of death. Mm -hmm. 
you know, whether we are aware of that fear or not, this is why we're not really in a regenerative culture at this time, is because we're collectively repressing mm -hmm. death. We're death-phobic, exactly. just in every way. Yeah. But when you allow death, you allow for expansion, for new life. And through the death that I was experiencing, I was being shown how the life that I was creating wasn't my life. Mm. It wasn't the life that I wanted to create. And so every part of me had to die mm. because it just didn't match what I wanted to create and what is being a witch but a creator. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had written a book when I moved to Mendocino. I wrote my first book within my first month of living there. Mm. It really drew it out of me. And it was published when I was still living there. Mm. And then the book was published and I realized this isn't even my voice. Mm. This isn't even, this isn't even who I am, mm. what I wanna write about, what I wanna say. Mm. And so that voice had to die. That every, every part of me that was pleasing, that was trying to be digestible, that was trying to not be the mystic that I am because I would get killed, you know, I would get burned, I would be exiled. Let me write something that's like nice and sweet and digestible and like, you know, sort of basic that people will be able to get. And then feeling like a fraud because I repressed who I am to, to be able to be loved, to find belonging, to not be exiled by you know the community but why are we here if we're doing that mm -hmm. especially as witches like we'll never live a fulfilling life mm -hmm. if we're constantly silencing ourselves mm -hmm. because of that fear i totally agree yeah i totally agree um I just keep thinking about how we're all sort of conditioned, invited into becoming shells of ourselves. Yeah. As like a way to live. Like that is life. Mm -hmm. That's adulthood. Mm -hmm. It's like you have to accept that you're going to be a shell of yourself. A measure of adulthood. You're not going to be able to have your dreams that stuff isn't real. Yeah. You have to pay bills and taxes to the government. <laughs> and you have to contribute to the society through your advertising job. Yeah. And that that's the meaning we're invited to create out of having literal breath in our lungs. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like being a witch is saying, it's like, one, it's having the courage to say, no, that's not all there is, but it's also, it's part of like recognizing, you know, I don't even have the privilege to like walk away from that because like I can't unsee it. Mm -hmm. I can't not like pay attention to this other thing, this like thing that's underneath that I'm sensing and feeling. It's like, yeah, it's kind of the curse of always being able to hear the other frequency all the time and you can't turn it off. Yeah. 
And when you try to turn it off, you go mad. And then when you literally walk toward it and you try to uncover it and see it, you're called mad. Oh, yeah. And I'm just getting kind of rolling chills just thinking about that image. Like, it's like Nancy Drew prepared us all. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, Nancy Drew prepared us to be the witches, even though, I mean, she was arguably a, a witch, but I've been thinking about her lately because of, like, you know, the stuff that shows up in your dreams or my dreams, like, and my vision of, like, recently the witches of abacue yeah like why did i even i didn't even have an inkling or a thought to think about these people (laughs) i just went to the bookstore and i was like do you have any books on the witch trials of new mexico like didn't even know if there were hadn't even googled it i saw the vision and i went to the bookstore and i walked away with all of these books and then in the first book i opened I find there's a witch trial that was the size of Salem that never got the recognition. Yeah. Mendocino probably has a very similar yeah. story of like this massacre never got the attention that it deserved. Yeah, and we talked about this, but I think this is the very reason why people like us who are story weavers Mm -hmm. who have these voices are called to these lands to give a voice to these witches that were not heard these witches that were silenced they were burned Mm -hmm. because we do have the ability to hear them Mm -hmm. and to bring their stories forward Mm -hmm. and I feel when we're not doing that Mm -hmm. we're not using our voice to to transmute to create we find ourselves in the frequency of the trial, yeah, which happened to both of us mm-hmm. in, in New Mexico. <laughs> we were on trial, mm-hmm. and yeah, for sh- for sure, for sure, <laughs> literally. But now we know the story, yeah. and here we are, you know, um, bringing our voices to it. And mm-hmm. this is so much of the healing is just using our voices in a way that these witches who came before weren't able to. I also feel like there is this assignment to continue the magic and the co-weaving with the earth that was abruptly stopped. It was paused for whatever, many reasons, there are many reasons why, many excuses for what happened with the native peoples, with the witches, with the slave trade, there was many reasons why all of this stuff happened mm-hmm. that led to the burning of witches, the hanging of the hanging of black witches, mm-hmm. you know, like all of it was just what is the what is the medicine that wanted to be continued by these men and women who could hear and listen to the earth, who knew the earth as a rolling, buoyant spirit. It's the attending to the portal, mm-hmm. which we've talked about too. And this was really what I experienced from my time of living in Mendocino, because I would ask the land, like, why is there so much trauma in the land and why do I have to experience this? You know, mm-hmm. really being in that 
kind of victim space of like, I didn't sign up for this. I thought I was going to come to the coast, write my book, <laughs> go back to the city. <laughs> no, 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 no. A little writer's respite. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, it's a perfect place to write a book. The sea and the seals and the whales. Isn't that the... Ain't that the damn thing. <laughs> and what the land told me, for one, the people were not meant to live in the forest. The forest was for the forest. <laughs> the forest was for the ceremony, the ritual, the connection with the land. But the Pomo people, the original people of mm-hmm. you know Mendocino County, lived on the coast. You know, they mm-hmm. were fishing. They lived on the coast. And the forest, you know, was a part of the experience. But there was this, like, respect for these grand, ancient redwood trees of, like, you're not meant to go in there and build a bunch of houses. Yeah. And then Mendocino, Fort Bragg area became a big mill. Like, it became a big logging community. And still to this day, and they've been doing a lot of like cleanup in recent years, but still to this day, the rivers have been dammed from logging debris. Mm. There's so, so much trauma in the forest. And so when I would approach the forest, like what I would be told is like, well, one, the land is a massive portal, but it needs so much tending. It's been completely neglected. And when you have land that's a portal and it's not tended to, Mm -hmm. it lets in a lot of darkness. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of darkness in the land there. And just a little more like modern history about the Mendocino area, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like drug cartel Mm -hmm. kind of energy there too. A lot of people are buried in the earth. a lot of money is buried in the earth there. There's a lot of just death kind of energy um, from that frequency of mostly cannabis, but you know other things too. And this was before you know cannabis, the industry is what it is today, mm-hmm. which is more recent. But there's a lot of like blood in the land, and then the rivers. And this is what I experienced too in, in New Mexico: is the rivers are are full of blood. The rivers are full of mm-hmm. trauma and, you know, the rivers are what carry our intentions, our prayers, our, you know, everything. It's it's the blood of the earth, mm-hmm. but there's like poison in the rivers. And so it's, you know, bringing that poison, you know, all over the land, all of the people. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of addiction in the community mm-hmm. um, in Fort Bragg, Mendocino area where I was living. Tons of addiction a ton of stagnation a lot of anger like there's not a lot of wellness Mm -hmm. and i think you know in the last five years there are people you know bringing like you know spirit camp where we're holding threshold keeper Mm -hmm. bringing wellness to the land Mm -hmm. um but it's like connecting back bringing like the witches back to tend to the portals Mm -hmm. because the land is so desperate for it and people aren't listening There's a lot in what you just shared. But first, I want to back up and talk about this idea of tending to portals. Um, And maybe we can just talk about what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to tend to the portal? How do we know that a place is a portal? How do we turn on our sort of 
earth clairvoyancy and like our, our way of listening to the earth to understand what is a portal and what is not and why it's important, especially for witches of this time to be tuned into that. Yeah, I think a portal is just, it's a place of change. It's a place where a lot of spirit energy is flowing through. And when there isn't like ceremony and connection and holding and containing that energy, it actually creates chaos. Mm. And I don't necessarily know how to describe like how you feel it, but I think it's something that you just, you can only sense. Mm. Yeah, I definitely feel that. Um, you know, I keep thinking about Matthias de Stefano, who is mm-hmm. this like, really beautiful, just like spirit weaver (laughs) who like listens and then goes to places and then like does ceremony there and like is basically like he does like a lot of energy work with the land to collapse timelines and history and things like that and um, and also reset energies in different places and um, look him up because I don't really even know how to get into his work if you're like, who, what does that even mean? <laughs> who is this person? Um, but he, like, listening to him really encouraged me for what I was feeling and seeing as well, mm-hmm. which is this experience of, like, I feel like the earth has, like, very specific tender spots. Yeah. Like, we, everybody has its own sort of spots, tenderness in certain areas. We have joints in place. You know, we have joints, and the joints are very tender, and there's, like, the the fish, like, the ligaments and the things, and we have these, like, places in our bodies that are already naturally tender, and then we all have our own, like, especially tender spots. Yeah. Ticklish spots spots of pain Mm -hmm. spots of pleasure Mm -hmm. and I feel like the earth body has that as well and that's those are in a a way those are portals people are very attracted to those spots as well Mm -hmm. um you know I think about like people are super attracted to Sedona or people are attracted to you know Oaxaca or Tulum or you know there are these there are these places the Appalachian Mountains and certain parts of it, like there are places where the earth has tender spots Mm -hmm. where if you just press a little, you can feel the energy. Sedona actually, that's so beautiful. And I think Sedona is a good example of a portal that's tended to. Mm -hmm. Because when you go there, you feel the energy, like the spirit energy Mm -hmm. of, it's like well-nourished spirit. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you go to New Mexico, mm-hmm. she's a little malnourished. A <laughs> little bit, The spirit yeah. energy is a little malnourished. But in mm-hmm. Sedona, the spirit energy feels so fed that it does feel really light. There's, mm-hmm. of course, transformation that you'll experience through any portal that you walk upon. But there's a lightness to it. Mm-hmm. And you can really sense the well spirits where... And my experience of living in Santa Fe is I experienced a lot of like the death mothers and a mm-hmm. lot of like the the harsh kind of spirit energy, mm-hmm. the the kind of hungry ghost mm-hmm. energy. 
Yeah, I feel like I experienced that, but I, there were moments, there were flickers where I experienced like there, there was a sort of sense of like there were enchanting spirits um, that were not like they weren't. There was there was a sense of like beauty about New Mexico. Um, but there was still that hunger underneath it. There was right. still that, please bring your gifts, please bring your mm-hmm. energy. And I don't know that the death mother is a bad thing. I think no. she, she needs to be on the earth, but like, I mean, she is the earth. Earth is a death mother, mm-hmm. you know, that's a whole other conversation, but she's a birth mother just as much as she's a death mother. She cares for both ends of the continuum, but there is that sort of like, you're speaking to something that I feel like is really subtle and ephemeral for most people. Like people are not necessarily going to different lands and picking up on it. But, you know, just in the last few weeks, I've had conversations with people who are like, oh yeah, I don't even know why I'm here. I just felt drawn to be here. And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, you're drawn to bring your life and your medicine here. Yeah. Um, And you can't do that alone. You need to be around other people who are doing it too. And we get caught up in the vortex energy. So there's like, didn't expect the conversation to go this direction, but there's the portal and then there's the vortex. Mm -hmm. And those are very different frequencies, I feel. And um, one other thought that I had too was like, I can sort of feel that because of the nature of the Western world. And it's like, and when I say the Western world, I mean like a way of being and thinking about the earth, the con- the spirit of conquer, the spirit of apartheid, the spirit of separation, mm-hmm. um, the spirit of like, of war, the spirit, the, that spirit that has taken over the Western world and then like has spread throughout other parts of the world has, like, I feel like it has the earth, like, longing to uh, to claim, reclaim pleasure, yeah. to reclaim her softness in many ways, to reclaim her voice in many aspects of the way that we engage with her. Um, and this is a, I think this is a part of it. <laughs> This feels more like a side tangent. But when I went back to New Mexico a few weeks ago, what I heard immediately from her, like it was like the the next day that I got into town and the next day she was like, do not project onto me. Mm. She was like, do not project onto me. Take all of your projections and shove it. (laughs) (laughs) It was that energy of like, if you're going to be here, be here because you love me not because you want to get something from me. Yeah. Be here because you're interested and you're listening and you're a part of this and you're a part of me, not for your ego, not for whatever conquer story you have. It mm-hmm. really reminded me of an, like the Anana myth, um, which we've based the retreat around going into the underworld to quote unquote save Ereshkigal. <laughs> and Ereshkigal's like, uh, no, no. <laughs> I don't need your save. I don't need you to save me. And it was that kind of energy with like the land of like, it's, yeah. it's not that I need you to, I don't need you to save me. I just need you to honor and respect me yeah. and to teach others to do the same because you've lost 
you've lost the point. (laughs) You've lost the point of your magic, your medicine, your connection. Why, why do all of this like union? Well, like it's because you're a part of me. Yeah. You know, it's, it was that energy of like, when you like dishonor yourself, right. And when I say dishonor, it's like when you're not honoring your essential nature and your essential form and your essence and your truth, you dishonor the earth and you dishonor honor sort of your role on the earth. Mm-hmm. Just period. It's like a peony is not going around saying, well, I'm a rose, you know, <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? Like, you're obviously a peony. Um, and that would almost be like blasphemous for that expression to occur. It's like, why are you not just being who you are? Yeah. And then there's a wider conversation around that of like what it does to our ecosystems, what it does to the way that resources flow through the earth, like what you were saying earlier, for us to deny our truth, our purpose, our power, our potential, our medicine on the earth, mm-hmm. for us to choose to um, back away, um, to choose to become sort of victims of the life death life cycle instead of being lifted up by it instead of being in surrender to the mm-hmm. medicine of regeneration that that like these initiations are offering us um they're not here to victimize us or to like make us smaller or to cut us down half a size they're here to lift us up into a higher beauty so that we are a more resilient people for the times to come yeah especially as witches you know, especially as people who hold a medicine that we can't quite, a frequency we can't quite ignore, that kind of thing. And I'm curious, like, how is that landing for you? Like, what's coming up for you in this conversation? Well, just thinking about, you know, our surrender to initiation and, and what you said about it, the purpose of initiation is to, ri- like, help us to rise into who we really are. Mm-hmm. And it's not to cut us down half a size. It's, it's not to, you know, make us small, but there is, it is a part of it, mm-hmm. you know, it, that's not necessarily the purpose, but like Anana's descent, like she goes into this place of such humility, vulnerability, where she's crawling like on her elbows, mm-hmm. bare, mm-hmm. scraped, bruised. She can't see mm-hmm. The corridor, you know, the tunnel is so small and she has to make herself like small and go so deeply within in order to get through it. And I think why most people don't move through their full experience of initiation to get to that rising ascent period is because they don't allow themselves to go into that space of, I am dying in so many ways. I am small. Mm -hmm. I am... I don't know who I am right now. Yeah. And that's one of Anana's, that's part of her initiation is to go to that place of like, I don't know who I am. Mm-hmm. Who, who am I? I used to be a queen. Mm-hmm. I don't know anymore. Well, that's what death is for. Yeah. Death is for stripping us down to our essence, our essential nature. Um, who are we without the projections, the costumes, the identities, when we're just off the earth. Yeah. The humilis, where that word humility comes yeah. from, which mm-hmm. is an of the earthness. 
You know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, we need it. Mm -hmm. Right? And do, like, when we get really caught up in, like, the witch wound and, you know, which I think... Fair, fair enough. You know, fair enough. we all have it. <laughs> fair enough. But when we stop there, yeah, we stop in the oh, but I'm a, I'm afraid of being exiled, mm-hmm. and we don't like lean our faces into it. like put your face in the steam of exile. Put it like get in there. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which sounds terrifying. It is I terrifying. Totally understand if you're like boop, stop. I don't want to listen to anymore. If you made it this far, welcome. (laughs) Um, But it's, it's like, we need to be able to put our faces in it and surrender to what's on the other side and trust that we are being lifted up into a higher beauty. Yeah. That we are being liberated in our essence and our form. Exactly. It's the liberation, truly. Mm-hmm. The first time that I was exiled in a really big public way was in 2017. This was in when my practice of soul tattoos was getting like growing beyond what I thought mm-hmm. was possible. And I had a lot of press opportunity. I was getting, you know, a- people were asking to do like video shoots with me all the time. And I, you know, probably didn't choose the best platforms, but I didn't, I wasn't super discerning in mm. how I wanted to be seen. Mm. Um, again, it was just saying yes, like any press is good press conditioning in my brain. And one of the videos that I did um, for this platform that doesn't exist anymore, it was like a fashion lifestyle brand, but the video went viral. Mm something like 11 million views in like a week. It was massive. I don't think it still exists on the internet. I don't know, maybe on YouTube or something, but I got so much hate, death threats. I got just from the tattoo industry. I had first it started off as male tattoo artists, which was to be expected. Here I am a young, at the time I was, like 26 or 27, Mm. young, I was, I might have had pink hair at that time, (laughs) you know, like very, I've always had sort of like a sweet Mm. look to my appearance, even though I wouldn't consider myself to, to be that way. But here I am, young, white, pink hair, doing mystical work Mm. in a very public way. And Also, when you're being portrayed by the media, how we portray things in modern age, it's not really deep, you know, like we, we produce things to be, you know, a certain like four minutes long or 30 seconds long. And, and so that was kind of tricky, but you know, I'm doing my medicine work and it's a video of me with a client. I get all of this hate, male tattoo artists saying, that I'm defacing people's bodies, that I'm doing so much harm in the world, that I'm appropriating all these different cultures, that just a lot of ignorance because no one, I mean, not that many people at the time in the tattoo industry actually even knew the origins of tattoo medicine. Mm. And so they're projecting these illusions and limitations onto me 
because I'm threatening, because I'm paving a new way. I'm doing something different. I'm doing healing work at a time where people think healing work is not real, Mm -hmm. that they're afraid of it. So I had all these parody videos made about me. I had death threats. I had, and then it became from female tattoo artists too. And that was really painful for me because Mm -hmm. so much of my healing and my wound is the sisterhood wound. So to have all these women telling me that I was ripping people off, that I'll never be successful. I had artists saying that they were going to come like from other countries telling me they're going to come to the States, ruin my career, just really horrible, awful things. And I fell to my knees in the first like two days that all of this was happening. You know, I went into that space of why me? What did I do? This is my first like really big, you know, I've of course have experienced exile in other ways before this, but this was bigger. It was like on the world stage. And I, I think I laid in bed for like 24 hours crying. And then I had this voice come through of like, this is for you to stand in who you are. Yeah. It's okay if the world isn't ready for you. If you're threatening this industry, this is why you're in this industry. Because mm-hmm. this industry needs you. Mm-hmm. It's harmful, actually. There's mm-hmm. a lot of harm within the tattoo industry. There's a lot of trauma and a lot of abuse. And a lot of just, it's, you know, it's, it's expanding so much now, but at the time, like super, super unconscious industry. And so I, I stood into it more. It became more public. I found my business partner, Rachel, Rachel Christensen, who is an intuitive tattoo artist from Australia. And we created a whole school for ceremonial tattooing to normalize it. So people would understand this is the history of this work. It's in every single blood lineage. Mm. It's, you know, tattooing has been a medicine since the dawn of humanity, Mm. pre-humans actually, as we are humans on earth today. It's such an old, 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 ancient light language healing Mm. art form. And I'm not here to not do the medicine work. And I think that's an important part of it is like to understand that you're not, you're getting called in Mm. when these experiences happen. Every time I've been exiled, it's been devastating. Mm. We're human. It's painful. Yeah. You know, I don't like not being liked. I wish people (laughs) liked me, but they don't. But it, it calls you in to your medicine says are you going to be a lesser version of yourself Mm. or are you going to rise to your potential Mm. and I do feel that potentially the more that we rise the more polarity we experience of that witch wound Mm. frequency but we have to get to a point where it doesn't take us away from the medicine yeah because that's what happens for a lot of people is it takes them away from the medicine of, mm. well, I must not be worthy mm. or this, I must not be on the right path or this is just too painful or mm. let me mold myself to be more likable, yeah, to be the good girl that you were talking about earlier because it feels too hard to resurrect into my full power because, mm. you know, there's a potential of death. 
And even though that potential of death feels like we're going to get burned, it's actually like the internal death that we have to face of death of the small, death of the people pleasing, death of the, you know, all the versions of self that are actually chaining and caging yourself, all the ways that you're yeah. chaining yourself. Yeah. The infamous ego death. Yeah. Which... I feel like there's a lot of conversation out there in the world about ego death. Like, you don't need to kill your ego. Your ego is a good part of you. And I'm like, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And like, um, and I think I said this on a previous podcast episode, the ego is more garden than it is like flesh and that. body part. Like, it's like, we need the ego to overwinter (laughs) for a season and so that when it comes back in the spring it's more prolific Mm -hmm. it has a whole new capacity it's more deeply rooted Mm -hmm. it's more deeply intertwined it does more good for the garden for the ecosystem for its environment when it's allowed to die than when we try to keep it perpetually alive you know, there's nothing worse than like being perpetually on all the time. Like, yeah. like even our bodies have to like go to bed. We have to rest yeah. every single day. Like it's never like a, we do it once a year thing. Like it's a, we need to go to bed. You know, the ego parts need, need to die mm-hmm. because they need to be matured. Yeah. They need to grow in capacity. I think a lot of people too have this perception that ego is connected to like want desire in a lot Mm. of ways or it's like the part of you that is like overly confident you know there's these like perceptions of ego Mm -hmm. that we have but the ego is also the part of you that doesn't feel like you're good enough Mm -hmm. and so that's where the ego death really comes in is Mm -hmm. can we lay that to rest yeah so you can honor that you are good enough and step into why you're here absolutely yeah i love this um i love this relationship with ego where ego is like our protector the protector of the self yeah right ultimately Mm -hmm. that's what the ego does the ego protects the concept of the i um and we do need that we do like especially in this world, like mm-hmm. I can't imagine enmeshing um, with everyone I meet, like to have no concept of I yeah. would be devastating, right? Um, it's not human. Like part of what makes us human is that we have an I. Mm-hmm. Um, we have this capacity to individuate, and that's also part of our creative process too it's beautiful it's good it's a part of our essential nature to proclaim the i but when that capacity to proclaim i is not offered an opportunity to also recognize to hold both of like i am an i and i'm also part of a greater i which is the Mm -hmm. earth and the earth is a part of a greater i which is the cosmos yeah. And the cosmos is a part of a greater I, which is the universe. And the universe is like we are all like we are extensions, tentacles outward from the creator, mm-hmm. the ultimate I am essence. Yes. And 
being with the eye is not as satisfying because we're always like in protection of this concept of I. We're in fear right. response of the concept of I. Of, I have to protect I at all costs. Versus like when we can rest in the great I am, mm. the creator, like essence, the, like recognizing ourselves as a part of a greater system, um, I think is more useful Ultimately, it's it saves us lots of time and energy because <laughs> now it's like not all up to you, but you can also like recognize the eye in the wind and the trees and mm. the grass and the other eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, I can recognize I and Ashley, and Ashley can recognize I and me, and that's like there's a it's there's a deeper kind of like connection or love that's available there mm-hmm. when we step outside of the eye or we let the sort of small self eye the small overly protective super fearful eye be the only kind of eye that's in the room then yeah. like you know if that's like the thing is like we'll look at all your connections mm-hmm. right so if you're stuck, right? Okay, so I just want to paint this picture. Uh-huh. If you're stuck at that threshold of like whether or not, deciding whether or not you want to engage the witch wound or engage death, mm-hmm. surrender to death, surrender to the deaths that are in front of you, are you, um, look at your relationships. Yeah. Talking to the podcast. I'm not talking to you, actually. I'm talking <laughs> to the podcast listeners. I know I'm like looking at you while I'm saying this. But like look at your, first of all, look at your relationships with people. Mm-hmm. Look at your relationships with the, the greater systems around you. Look at your relationships with the earth. Yeah. What is in the center of all of those relationships? Right? Is it the fear of being rejected or ignored or abandoned? Mm-hmm. Or is it genuine concern and desire and openness and curiosity about the other? Yeah. When you think about the greater systems of our political systems, who is at the center of that relationship? Mm-hmm. Is it your, your vision and your role and what you can contribute to change? Or is it this deep fear of, I don't want to get fucked by the system. Yeah. Looking at the earth, who is in the center of that relationship? Is it, I must be resourced. I must be like, I need to make sure I have all my food in my fridge. I need to like, you know, money is about like, you know, making me safe. Yeah. Or is there a greater vision of like restoration and apartness and balance? Can you see the trees in your yard having a conversation with you that isn't about keeping you safe and resourced and fed and slept and all of those? It's a, just a great little check-in to see like, okay, are you ready to cross the threshold, to face your fears, to enter into the witch wound and to finally confront that mm-hmm. and to see that? Because it's got to be really exhausting to be in the center of all of your relationships and all of the dynamics that you're having with the world around you. Actually, the body gets to rest when we allow ourselves to be decentered <laughs> and 
end to become a part, when the I becomes like a, like a more capacious, a bigger thing. I mean, we pulled a few cards for the podcast today, and one of the cards is the king. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is the medicine of the king is like when the king is in his role, he's concerned for the kingdom. Yeah. Knowing that his concern for the kingdom is what will keep him fed and clothed and met. Mm-hmm. Not the opposite way around. Mm-hmm. It reminds me too of the It reminds me too of the connection between I had this. I was having I was having such a visual response to everything that you were saying where I was seeing like the reality that you were painting Mm. and I was seeing this you know the difference between the victim Mm. and the mother Mm. and you know the victim and the creator Mm. and when we are in that role of creator we're a part of a mycelium web and when we're in the role of victim, we're separate from everything. Yeah. And that's not what life is. Life is creation. Yes. Yeah. I think about this too in terms of like the maiden, because I feel like the maiden gets mm. shat upon all the time <laughs> as an archetype. Sure. But like, you know, as someone who is exiting maidenhood, I had to figure out how could I like really see what the maiden archetype was because I knew for like a long time, I was like, I'm not ready to be mother. Yeah. I'm not like actually physiologically there. Like, and my spirit's not there. Mm-hmm. Like, hadn't quite met, met my Saturn return. I was like, well, the ma- I don't feel, I don't resonate with this like definition of the maiden where she's just like, fucking everything up all the time everywhere (laughs) like maybe but like but even at every stage even in maidenhood there is this like really cool opportunity to recognize what is my essential nature what do I have to offer with all of the energy and the drive that I come to the table with like in human design I have that gate the 54 the marrying maiden Mm. and the I Ching really helped me to understand a little bit more about what that archetype is because it's about I have the drive and the energy and the will and the vision and the fresh youth Mm -hmm. to offer my community to be about the tribe. Yeah. So there's no like, it's not about rushing from maiden, mother, crone. It's not about like rushing through the heroine's journey and making it to Ereshkigal and like, (laughs) you know, it's not about glorifying death. It's not about glorifying transition, Mm -hmm. but it's about saying in all of our stages, in all of our parts of our cycles, are we fully owning it? Yeah. Are we fully, fully owning what's available to us? Even as, even as maidens, which I'm sure there are plenty of like folks who are in that maiden range who are listening like, oh man, I've got to get to mother because that's some of the like rhetoric that's out there that I just don't totally agree. It just doesn't land Mm. in my spirit the right way. I'm just like, 
Well, I think we have maiden mother crone within us at all times. And actually, Absolutely. like the the weaving is to own each part. Like we actually create, you know, the the maiden is the fertility. The mother is like, you know, the, the birth or like, yeah. yeah, the nurturance. And then the, the crone is the wisdom. Mm-hmm. And that creates like a feminine wholeness. You actually, mm-hmm. you can't create just with, maiden you can't create just with mother right even. we need the whole inner village on lock yeah <laughs> <laughs> so this summer july 27th through 30th we are co-leading a retreat called threshold keeper i wouldn't even call it a retreat yeah it doesn't really feel like a retreat feels it's, like an assignment <laughs> yeah <laughs> um it's it's uh a training ground yeah. is, I think, what we've come to terms with. I love how being. I'm like, it's a respite, and you're like, training ground. <laughs> Every single time I'm like, respite, retreat, you're like, fucking training ground. It's no. time for initiation. No, no, we need no, to get no, these no. witches in shape. <laughs> I really struggled with that word. I was like, I don't want to use that word to describe this. Yes. Because yeah. I also, you know, I led a retreat last year with the anonymous. Mm. And I had realized that I did not prepare. I didn't paint the picture well of mm. the kind of initiation yeah. that we were going to be stepping into. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to lead people on and let them know, like, let them believe that this is a nice, tranquil, you know, forest bathing retreat. Yeah, it's not it. <laughs> it's not it. And then we have If Dutch. you're exhausted, this <laughs> is not the place you might want to come. Because that's also something yes. to understand is, is, you know, since ancient times, medicine people of the village, no matter where you came from, you know, mm. on the earth, all of your ancestors had initiatory Ceremonies, right? The passage, yeah. Any, you know, so many different ways to go about this. But part of it is you're not going to be getting eight hours of sleep. Yeah. You're going to be uncomfortable. I will be getting eight hours of sleep. (laughs) You think you are? (laughs) But a part of it is, you know, when you go to that raw, vulnerable, tired place. Mm all of your shadows emerge. Mm. All of the parts of you that you need to face come forward. Yeah. And that's a part of the initiatory experience is facing yourself. Yes. And if things are like light and airy and we're meditating in the trees. That is not what is about to happen. (laughs) (laughs) How will you face yourself to the level that you need to to rise? Absolutely. And, you know... A threshold keeper is a space for people who want to tend the threshold space, who want yeah. to hold those containers for initiation for others. Mm. And you can't do this without meeting mm-hmm. death, without yeah. meeting yourself so deeply, raw, messy, wild, yes. wailing, yep. bleeding, yep. all the things. That's a part of it. Mm. And so I wanted to let people know just to what to you. expect. And there, of course, there's going to be beauty and magic and community and mm. singing around the fire and meditating in the trees. That will be a part of it. Yeah. But 
you know, we're getting down and dirty. We're yes. doing the work. <laughs> yes. I love this. I love, cause part of my witch woundiness is like, I don't want people to think this is going to be too intense. Cause I'm so intense. Part yeah. of my witch woundiness is like, <laughs> I want to come off as like really sweet and subtle and soft for people. And then yeah. like, I don't even have to say anything. People step into my house or my aura and they're just like, obliterated (laughs) I think that's in the best way possible (laughs) I mean this is something I've had to own in myself because when I when I'm afraid of that intensity of that power that Mm -hmm. I hold it is a hot mess Mm. it creates a lot of chaos in my life when I'm not owning that power and you know that is a part of this this <laughs> retreat is like stepping into the space that we are holding together. There's going to be a lot of transformation and a lot of power and it doesn't have to be, you know, we don't have to be afraid of it because we're all doing it together. And that's the beautiful part of yes. about it is you can't really go through big rites of passage alone. You can, but it's not. It's not. Mm-mm. There there often isn't a lot of wholeness that's created from that because mm-hmm. we need the other person to reflect to us, to show us. That sense of belonging. Yeah. yeah. And this is a big part of the Anana journey is before she went down south to the underworld. <laughs> to down south. <laughs> to meet her and cornbread. <laughs> My neck of the woods. Well, we're, we're actually both Southern. <laughs> oh, that's which right. Is, Florida Southern is different, though. No, I'm, remember, I'm from Mississippi, Louisiana, oh. and Florida. Oh, she got it. She got the whole trifecta. <laughs> I'm a traveling swamp witch. <laughs> but, Y'all got bog witches. <laughs> when she goes down, before she goes, she tells her, you know, her minister, her friend, I'm going to the underworld. If I don't come back in three days, get out your drum, put on your grieving clothes, and make some noise and let the people know the queen has descended. Mm. And so she lets her sister know, I'm probably going to die. Mm -hmm. And if I don't come back, can you send me some help? Mm. Because I might not be able to get back on my own. Yeah. And so... You know, Anana goes down, she dies. She's hanging on a meat hook on the wall in the underworld. And her friend... Casually. Casually. (laughs) Her friend goes to the gods, you know, makes her noise, like singing her grief songs. And Mm -hmm. it's like, we need to send Anana some help. And so she tells the whole village, the whole village is mourning and grieving for their queen, which is really powerful too, just to have that like collective grief and honoring yeah. death, that that's a part of the initiation too. And tells the gods, the first two gods, like don't really give a shit. But then, mm. you know, the fi- the last god creates these little creatures to go down and resurrect her. Mm. And so had Anana not told her friend mm. and had this community support and had mm-hmm. the gods, mm-hmm. she'd still be there down on her meat hook. Yeah. And that's important. So that's also what we're creating with Threshold Keepers. We're creating a community mm-hmm. to do this work, which is sorely missing. Yes. From rites of passage work. You know, something that also came up as you were saying that is like one story we have to release is that the 
I think this is important. This is going to be important for somebody. The masculine collectively is not ready to rescue the feminine from. Mm -mm. They're not, they're not ready. No. And this is a huge part of the anonymous is that she, like her, her handmaiden goes to the wrong gods. Mm -hmm. She goes to her husband, she goes to her father and they're like, we don't give a fuck. Yeah. And they're like, she shouldn't have gone there. She's crazy. Yeah. How many women have that story Mm -hmm. of like really, really wanting to be met by the masculine? We have to stop waiting to be met by the masculine. Yeah. Because it's, (laughs) this is kind of our role on the earth at this time. Maybe it's our role archetypally as a species to be the ones who send the masculine down to their own descent. Right. With compassion at their side so that mm-hmm. they can be lifted up into a higher beauty yeah. themselves. But the women have to go first. The women do have to go first. And we have a lot of stories about men going first, men leading. Men. Mm-hmm. But that's not actually... And Inanna is like the oldest goddess myth on the face of the planet. Yeah. And it still hasn't stopped being irrelevant. Relevant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the bog which is coming out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it still hasn't stopped being irrelevant. So that means something. We need mm-hmm. to stop suppressing this story. We need to be willing to go first. Yeah. And in our leadership, when we come back out from the grave, from the resurrection, we enter back into the world. We have all the fire and the rage and the rightful justice and anger. Mm-hmm. What the underworld has taught us is that we move in grace. We're mm. not here to rescue the masculine. No. But we're also not here to destroy. No, we're here to initiate. Initiate. Mm-hmm. And the way we initiate is by being in the truth of who we are. Yeah. Unadulterated, unfiltered, fully resurrected. And that scares me. I don't know about you. <laughs> like, just like the cycles of moving through that truth. Yeah. Because that's also another thing is like it will happen again and again and again and again. Yeah. Throughout this life. And, you know, maybe perhaps we just get better at Perhaps we just get better at it until we become, you know, jumping to another myth, Persephone, queens of the underworld, psychopomps of the new age. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's just that. It's first. <laughs> <laughs> the more... That little movement looked like one of your tattoos, by the way. <laughs> it did. <laughs> there was just like some things getting stuck. Um, the more we are initiated, the more that fear just doesn't control us anymore. Absolutely. You know, there's, we have to get to a point. It's like what you were telling me the other night of like, um, what did you say? Like filleting yourself open? <laughs> yeah, taking the daggers that people offer us and doing the flaying ourselves. Yeah. Like 
just straight up sacred warrior and then like laying our bodies, laying the wound on the earth and bleeding into the earth. Yeah. And, but it's like that empowerment and that yeah. choice versus just the victimization yeah. of all that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, I'm going to be flayed open either way. Right. Let me do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I I do feel that I am arriving at this place of like I've been exiled so many times now. Mm. I don't I it can't like bring me to my knees anymore. Yeah. You know, I was exiled by my husband. I was exiled by the tattoo community. I was exiled by feminine community. Mm-hmm. I was burned at the stake. I was stoned. I was sent to the woods. Mm. I've been exiled so much that at some point the story has to end and you yeah. take all the threads of that experience and you weave something new into form mm-hmm. and you weave from a place of personal power and strength of like knowing your medicine mm-hmm. and how powerful you are mm-hmm. that you get exiled so much yeah. because people are afraid of the the truth that you hold, mm-hmm. of the sharpness mm-hmm. of your sword. You know? Yeah. People especially get get a little afraid about the sharpness of the sword. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just keep thinking about how, you know, exile is this experience of like someone telling you, you don't belong because of how you are. Yeah. Or because how you showed up or because I perceive you've made a mistake or like whatever right. it is, they tell you, you no longer belong. Yeah. And like, to me, that's like the slice. It's yeah. like telling someone that they no longer belong, um, that they shouldn't be, you know? Yeah. That's super painful. It's so painful. But when we reclaim, again, allowing our, our relationship with the I, with the ego to be transfigured and mm-hmm. lifted up, mm-hmm. we realize, oh, belonging is bigger than your perception of me. Exactly. Exactly. And so now I have more power not over you, but in myself. And that perception of you from the other comes from their unwillingness to see themselves, Mm -hmm. that you are reflecting to them. So it's a result of their unbelonging within Mm -hmm. that is projecting unbelonging within to you. Mm -hmm. And that's not your truth. Exactly. Like, for example, and maybe this is where we sort of land (laughs) because we could keep going on, but like, it's not a problem. I was telling a client about this the other day. It's like, it's not a problem that you got angry. Mm-hmm. It's not a problem. Yeah. It's not bad. It's not a problem. It's not bad. It's not wrong. Yeah. You got angry. It's normal. It's a human emotion. It's not a problem. Yeah. But someone immediately said, I don't feel safe around you because you got angry. Well, that's not your problem, right? And what do we do with anger? This is a great, I think this is a great like practical example of like, what do we do with anger when we feel like we belong versus when we feel like we don't belong? Mm-hmm. When we feel like we don't belong, we harm and we lash out. Right. When we feel like we belong, we expect to be heard and accepted by the other. Yeah. To be received. We relate with our anger and we relate with the part of us that is angry very differently, right? We know that there's radical inherent belonging. Mm -hmm. 
And so whether or not the other is offering us that, we get to choose how to orient to the parts of, of us that show up in the world that do scare people. Like anger is anger. Yeah. <laughs> sadness is sadness. People crying. Wow, that's intense. It's it's an intense thing. Yeah. But it's not a problem. Yeah. It's not something to be fixed. Mm. Right? And so there's a whole, we could go into a whole deeper other conversation, but I'm going to park it there. <laughs> um, and just thinking about like with Threshold Keeper and this retreat, may this be a... S- <laughs> retreat training (laughs) this training this uh, boot camp (laughs) Ashley's like this is warrior training ground (laughs) my my, like my projector body is like no get with it but like it doesn't matter any room I walk into is gonna be a warrior training ground because of my energy (laughs) so can't pretend to be sweet and soft about it Um, I am soft. I'm just a different kind of soft. Yeah. Uh, And this place is going to be soft, but it's just going to be a different kind of soft. It's a soft place to land for transformation, for recognizing the truth in ourselves. Um, Something about the redwood forest floor, too, is it actually is very spongy. Yeah. Mm. It's very very soft and you know the trees of the redwoods their roots are so deep and sprawl out so much that nothing else can really grow in the forest you know you have your ferns because they're little they don't have deep deep roots you have your you know like blackberries or you know there's sometimes like berries Mm -hmm. thrown in there wild berries but there's not a lot of life other than the redwoods and so we're spending you know our time during threshold keeper with that medicine of the redwood tree and when we tune into like the consciousness the frequency of the redwood it's this ancient strength it's this ancient wisdom mm-hmm. it's this steadiness it's this deep 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 rooting mm-hmm. and so you know, when, we're, when we are going into root work, mm-hmm. we are resurrecting the fear, the pain, everything that we're holding in our root, that mm-hmm. sense of unbelonging mm-hmm. that is held within our root. And we are uprooting ourselves to mm-hmm. kind of clear out all the dead roots and all the things we don't need. And then we're replanting ourselves mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. And that's the energy of the land and you know and then there's like the mistiness and the wild ocean and mm. you know the whale song and you know all of mm. that kind of medicine too there but there's it's it's really interesting because Daje you know and in, really invited me into mm. Threshold Keeper mm-hmm. and when she told me oh I have this retreat center space that I think would be perfect and then she told me where it was I kind of like internally fell to my knees because it was in Mendocino Mm -hmm. and she didn't know about my history there Mm -hmm. about how the land initiated me and how deeply I know that land and how much like pain comes with it for me too you know I buried 
my baby in that land. Mm -hmm. I, you know, got really sick on that land because I moved into a house with mold. And what is mold but death energy, Mm -hmm. you know? Trying to decompose. Right. Material. There's, I have this like very complicated relationship with that land, but I know it Mm -hmm. so deeply because it was just me and the land for you know, a little over two years, just me in the land, no friends, Mm. you know, couldn't really connect to my partner. He's super normie, unmystical person. It's like big, big witch wound. Only a little bit of shade. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he came from this, like, this, this energy of, you know, like he kind of, carried this frequency of the church and I carried this frequency of the witch Mm -hmm. and so a lot of our conflict was rooted there Mm -hmm. it was rooted because no this is the way things are this is the way they have to be this is the way they've been you know that very patriarchal church containment and then me being like wild woman witch let's let's create let's you know Mm -hmm. generate something new let's Mm -hmm. make magic let's birth dreams yes let's let's work with the earth let's Mm. and then being so attuned to the other realms and feeling like an insane person being Mm. with someone who you know just wasn't perceiving in the way that I am but so going back to these lands for me feels like a resurrection Mm. from you know I went straight from Mendocino to Santa Fe to kind of work with the same frequency of resurrection of the witch. Mm. And so I've been, you know, for four and a half years in this energy of working with Mm -hmm. land that carries a massive witch wound that Mm -hmm. has a lot of trauma that is a portal. Mm -hmm. And then sort of graduating from that, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like I've completed (laughs) a big cycle (laughs) And coming back to this land to teach feels really powerful for me. And I keep having this this vision of, you know, sort of like a homecoming of coming to that land and then immediately falling to my knees and weeping because of just all that's there. And the land is very special in that way. And I'm very excited for you to meet the land and for everyone who's going to be joining us to meet the land. And, you know, we have capacity for about... Like 30, yeah. 35? Yeah, it's like 32-ish, depending on space on the land. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to be camping on the land, which that mm-hmm. like really, really lit me up because there's mm-hmm. something, you know, the soft forest floor, there's something really special about like sleeping on the redwood roots yes. in that way. Yeah. Um, we do have cabins for people too, but... I think like the people who choose to camp are going to get a lot of medicine just yeah. like being, you know, kind of cocooned by the canopy of the trees and the mist yes. and everything. But it's going to be really powerful. You know, it's it's a short uh, retreat, if we want to use that word. Yeah, it's like a weekender. <laughs> yeah, it's a weekender. So it's, you know, it's, it's direct. We're going to be in a little portal together. We're going to be tending mm-hmm. to the portal together. We're going mm-hmm. to be really learning what it means to be a threshold keeper so that you can hold threshold space for your clients for the people that you walk with because Mm -hmm. we need this right now we need we need 
people to understand death yes and how to work with initiation and how the to find safety in the descent and know mm-hmm. that we're held and we can trust it and we can go deep into the depths we don't have to run from it yeah and when you know collectively we become more comfortable with these processes we'll have true change we'll, we'll you know be resurrected into our power the witches yeah. will be free you know there will yes. be so that so much magic and medicine being birth but it can only be birth through mm-hmm. this process yeah and i think it's so powerful too to just have like so many different kinds of threshold keepers in the world yeah. that's one like small prayer that i have for whatever threshold keeper is doing is that we can recognize the beauty in our complexity and mm-hmm. our diversity and like being a threshold keeper doesn't mean that you are hiding in the house and the temple all day and talking to plants and trees although bless it because that sounds like the life <laughs> that's your dream life. <laughs> <laughs> but we need threshold keepers who are working in policy change and like who yeah. are teachers in schools um, threshold keepers who are working in the service industry working in all different kinds of ways mm-hmm. tending to the portals of this earth and being those sort of like being being in direct communication with the heart of the earth you know what i mean like yeah. bringing forth that new beauty that the earth wants to birth and taking back the story of our future from the three little white men at the top <laughs> who yeah. are like trying to blast off to mars you know yeah. like oh. <laughs> yeah. we yeah this is the power of it it's not just about you know, you're, it, it's not a healing retreat. No. Uh, although healing will happen. Healing, healing will happen. Healing will occur. But it's about stepping into that radical role of the threshold keeper and owning that with everything you've got in you and remembering that you're not alone in it. And it yeah. can be beautiful. It can be soft. Uh, that death can be a womb just as much as it's a tomb. It's something mm. I've been meditating on and I sitting love with. That. So... Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Ken Spirit, an emergent spiritual collective of creatives and dreamers who are dedicated to the work of bridging the gap between the everyday and the sacred and storying our way through great change. Your listenership means the world to us. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider adding an honest rating and a written review so that more people can find the conversations we're holding. In between episodes, you can find us on social media at Kenspirit or kenspirit.podcast. And you can find me, your resident story doula, at thestorydoula.co. Until next time, see you later. Mm-hmm.